I was born, you know, more light skinned and I have green eyes. So it kind of makes people ask, oh, what are you? Or, you know, where are you from? It's like, I'm, I'm black. This is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. I'm George Bodarki. Our guest in this episode of Community Dialogues is Lisa Taylor. She's a media advertising professional. Lisa lives in Midtown Manhattan, but grew up in Hamden, Connecticut. Lisa says she grew up very much in tune with her African-American roots, but as a light-skinned black person, she never really understood the question she would get about her background. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you for having me. So when you have to check off that race box, what do you check off? I check off black or African-American. What is your background? So my background, I, I am African-American, but in my mom's side, um, my grandmother was half black, half Irish. So I think, you know, so I was born, you know, more light skinned and I have green eyes. So it kind of makes people ask, oh, what are you? Or, you know, where are you from? It's like, I'm, I'm black, you know, but, you know, obviously there's more, obviously there's always more to everybody, but I, I answer the questions, but I think when growing up, it was kind of hard when kids would say, what are you? And, and I just felt offended and didn't understand. And, you know, it's like, I'm just human. Like, what does that mean? You know, it's like people, but I think also because maybe growing up too, it's when I grew up, I grew up in Connecticut in a suburb of New Haven, Hamden, Connecticut. And and mostly, you know, starting with elementary school, you went to school with, there were more white kids than black kids. And elementary school, I think for the most part was good. There was nothing, I never felt different or out of place. Not until junior high when like people start asking more questions and what are you? And, and I always thought of the fact that, yes, I'm black or African-American. And I felt that it's more, it was, it felt like it wasn't kind of fair. Like, well, people like are Irish or, or people were Italian. They're like, oh, I'm Italian or Irish, and they knew exactly where they came from. Like, well, I didn't really know what part of Africa I came from. You only know really you're from America because, and obviously the history of slavery, that's why. If people were forced to come here, then you lose that heritage. Did you have that conversation with your parents when you were being asked that question as a kid? Why are people asking me this question and how do I answer it? Right. Funny thing is, I think a lot of times too, maybe I didn't always say to my parents, I didn't want my parents to to say, oh, why would they ask that? Or if they get mad and say, don't hang out with that that, that person. So I think as, when I was younger, it was more like, a, well, I don't want my parents to get mad about it. So I didn't really ask them any questions. Although my mother was very, you know, she was very good about teaching about black history and things like that. So I mean, I knew who I was or who our family was, our culture was, um, but also the kind of the fact that, yeah, we're in a, you know, a town or something that, you know, we are different and some people, yeah, my parents would definitely say that some people aren't are only going to see color and they're going to discriminate against you. So, but again, I mean, you're a young kid; it's it's hard to understand until you get older. Did you feel that there was any level of discrimination there growing up? Anything like that? I definitely like in junior high. I felt like there was, you know, if I uh, hang out with definitely kids of all different backgrounds, but if I was hanging out with more of the white kids, and then they would say the N word around me, and I know one time it was a actually like, I feel like sometimes actually it was heard maybe I would pretend I didn't hear it or if it was people said it that I didn't really know but I was in that kind of that group but you could also feel the tension of like oh then people look at me and you know just kind of would sometimes I would just didn't want to deal with it I just would act like I didn't hear it but there was one time when an actual friend said it and I said why would you say that word 
you know, if you're friends with me, and she said, oh, well, it's not you. I'm not talking about you. And I was like, but you are, you know? So, and I remember also talking back, going back earlier when I said I wouldn't tell my mother certain things or my father, but I definitely did never told my mother that she said that because she would have said, you know, that girl's not allowed in this house. And she would have, obviously that would have been the end of her. But I mean, and, it, and I kind of just knew as I so slowly but surely kind of just, you know, moved away from that friendship because of that. Because you're light-skinned, Lisa, and because you have green <clears throat> eyes, did you ever feel the pressure to pass, as they say? Yeah. Um, I never did, but I mean, I also know the history of it. Um, I think my mom even, you know, told us, like, not, like best was her side of the family is lighter-skinned, and I think in the past, I don't know if it was the 30s or 40s, but there were cousins or aunts that, that did do that. Like, I think there was a story that um, somebody worked in a department store, um, passing as a white woman. And then later on, somebody must have found out and they outed her. And actually, I think it was a black person that outed her, but it was just for her to get a job. But I never, I mean, I think I kind of, maybe I just, if people kind of gave me that, oh, you, you don't look black or you don't do this, or I just kind of felt like, well, that's not fair. I mean, it is what it, and I am who I am, but I never felt that I need to like, to say I was anything different, you know. What thoughts have been going through your mind, Lisa, over the course of the past few months since George Floyd's death, since we've seen this renewed discussion about racism in this country? Yeah, I mean, um, this also came up, a lot of people, it was interesting to, we had different forums at work as well. I work in an advertising company and kind of getting different um, perspectives from different people because my first thought, I mean, obviously, we, seeing George Floyd footage and hearing about that was horrible, you know, just heartbreaking. But also knowing as a black person, as I was still in tune to know that that, that still happens all the time. He's not the first I'm on, and unfortunately not the last, but that kind of, you know, thing. And then you kind of talk about people you know who talk about, oh, if a black man gets stopped by a police, how, you know, it's very nerve wracking and interacting and that, that you don't know what's gonna happen and just certain things and it just, it kind of, it brought out, but then you also talk to different people of different colors. And I, I kind of like at one form, I feel like, well, sometime the, my white counterparts might say, oh, I didn't realize how bad it was. Or I didn't really know. Or it's like, you didn't really think about it then. You know what I mean? So that kind of was frustrating to hear that. And I get it. Cause I mean, I just know how things happen in this country, but it was just, that was disheartening too, because you're just like, how do you not know what goes on? But I feel like, you know, the black community think, you know, deals with certain things or like, you know, talks about certain things maybe amongst themselves, but like maybe you're not talking about it to other people that are not black. So when you hear a white person say, I didn't know it was that bad, <laughs> how do you react to that? What do you say to that? I was like, you're not paying attention. And you're obviously, I mean, that's all to me, a lot of people, it's like their world is like really not, you know, black and white or brown, yellow, you know, it's just white one way. So you're not, I feel like, you know, if I, growing up, if I, if I had grown up, I grew up, you know, with, if there were more white people than black people, then we have to, we had to learn, like, you know, how to be amongst other people that are different than us, like, but they, some, there's some situations, some white people never have to learn that. I think they, they need to, everybody does. I mean, you learn, I've always had different friends, you know, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, everybody that, um, different backgrounds, different religions, just you learn from those people, you know, and you keep an open mind and you, I think you have a more empathy for people, you know. Do you have children, Lisa? I do not. Just, yeah. I have niece and nephews and actually 
going to be a great aunt again soon. Waiting to hear. So uh, that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. How old are your nieces and nephews? Oh, my, they're in their thirties, and uh, so they starting to have. Well, my nephew's starting to have the first child, but my niece has two two boys. What kinds of conversations do you think we need to be having with kids about race and racism in this country? Yeah, I mean, I, for kids, I mean, I, you feel bad because, I mean, they are so innocent. I mean, they really don't, they don't see any differences unless other people are telling them, you know, that's something they have to learn. It's not something I don't, in them. But I think it is very important to, to be open with kids and, you know, tell them that you're different, show them, you know, I think it's important. My mother always showed us, you know, different books that sh that's had pictures of, you know, people that looked like us. So we just didn't see one, just one side of the population. Um, and it's important, like, I know my mom still continues to do that with the great grandchildren. You know, she did it with my niece and nephew, but now that she has great grandchildren, she does it with them too. And, and they actually will call her now because FaceTime, we had to give her a phone so she can FaceTime. And they'll tell her like what they read and, you know, so it is helping. So it's good. In the past few months, of course, the headlines shift, right? We don't see those protests on TV every day anymore. We don't see the unrest visibly in the news every day. How do we make sure, though, that this conversation yeah. keeps going, that it doesn't get swept away? And then a number of years from now, people are saying the same thing Doing over again. Thing. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Right, and we don't want that because I mean, obviously they thought that happened in the '60s, and they thought that was going to get better. You know, what I'm saying like I think my parents, you know, had opportunities because the '60s started changing. They got married in the '60s, but um, they're they're still, you know, now you kind of have this again. You know, it's like all over. So I think that the most important thing is has to do with the politicians, and everybody has to, you know, demand you know, from your local level onto you know the national level just. They, these things have to change and they have to be changed with laws and they have to, you know, and you have to speak out and you have to continue to speak out until, and I, I'm glad that they're protesting every day. I mean, I know you don't, the media doesn't really cover it every day, but I'm, being in New York City, they're still protesting. And I think it's positive because it's one of those things I think people just expect it to go away. Like if they protest every day, then you have to talk about it, you have to think about it. And, but I think it definitely comes with like who's, who you're voting for that comes down to, you know, how the police force, I think there's definitely has something to do with, you know, different kind of training and you need more people. If, if they're going to be local, you know, community officers and they have to know the people in the neighborhood, not be afraid of them. So maybe if they didn't grow up in that neighborhood and they don't look at those people, you, you need to have some common ground that they understand that they're there to help them, not to hurt them. And that's what people, you know, if you're in a majority black community, you think that the police are not going to there to hurt you. We can't, we can't keep on going on like that. So and that comes with voting and then has to do it with judges or, you know, whatever it is, like, but people have to get more involved in local politics and know like how their voices can be heard. There should be always continue to be an open forum for people to discuss these issues. And I think that because to, for so long, maybe, you know, we just weren't talking about it, you know, like I said, you know, people of color, you might talk about it amongst yourselves, but then you won't talk about it, a white person. Like, but you, we need to talk to everybody about it. We need to get everybody's opinion about it. And, you know, I just like to see more white people talk about it and like, or ask questions. And so there is a better understanding. Well, thank you again so much for, for taking the time. All right, thank you, George. It was All a right. pleasure. Likewise, take care. Bye. Bye, -bye.
A big thanks to Lisa Taylor for sharing her story with us. And thank you for listening to Community Dialogues. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm George Boldarki. We'll see you next time.